Well, I'll never forget a relationship that catapulted me into the start of this journey and what I know as student ministry. My entire childhood, I, ent- I attended a youth camp in the heart of the Smoky Mountains, uh, just about 20 minutes away from Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And this would be where I would meet Jesus in the fifth grade. Well, fast forward with me. I've gone every year. And then I'm now, my last year as a camper is my sophomore year. And my buddies and I, these friends that I've made, that we're, we only get to see each other one week out of the year during the summer, we're at the top of this, this hill. And the gravel, the dangerous gravel roadway is what sat in front of us. That's what it was called, was the dangerous gravel roadway. So what did we decide to do? We decided every year to race. It was an annual thing. To race when the dinner bell would ring down the dangerous gravel roadway. So we're at the top. We're running down. I wish we could get a slow-mo of a bunch of high school kids running down this gravel roadway. And every time the nurse at the bottom would be like, boys, stop running down the gravel roadway. Well, we get to the bottom. We're all smiles, horrible teenage aromas, right? Not a care in the world. We just love being at camp, right? So I get, we're walking to the mess hall um, at the top, of the, clear on the other side of camp. And Lloyd Powell, let me introduce you to Lloyd Powell. Uh, this is Lloyd. He was the camp director. And Lloyd is the reason to why I stand before you today. He catapulted this journey of student ministry. I'm a sophomore in high school. And I'm walking up the mess hall. Lloyd says, hey, Chris, 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 come here. I want to talk to you for a second. I got a proposal for you. I want you to come back next week and be a counselor for seven-year-olds. And I was like, whoa. You want a sophomore in high school to keep seven-year-olds alive for a week? Like, are you kidding me? And I'm insecure. I froze. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, Lloyd, you're, you're making me a little uncomfortable, right? And Lloyd says, I'll tell you what, Chris. I think you could see the fear in my soul. He said, I want you to go home, talk to your parents about it. And then call me on Saturday because you got to be here on Sunday morning. Quick turnaround. You go home Friday, you get one day off, and you're right back in the mix. And so I talked to my parents. Ultimately, I said yes, and my parents encouraged me to do it. I said yes, and that's what started my love for student ministry. I knew that Monday when seven-year-olds got off the bus that I wanted to work with kids in some way, shape, or form. It wasn't until later that I knew that it was students, but Lloyd Powell started it all. And Lloyd Powell saw something in Chris Pell that Chris Bell had failed to see in himself. And I want to ask, is there anybody in this room where somebody has seen something in you that you have failed to see in yourself for so long? We all deal with the lack of confidence in some way. And I think we could all deal with a little bit less insecurities, a little bit less inadequacies in our lives. And all it takes, however, is one person to see something in insert name here the insert name here has failed to see in themselves. And I deal with insecurities and inadequacies every day. It doesn't take much. Let me fill you in. Someone looks at me weird. The first thing I do is stroke my beard because I think something's in it. And I, because my beard has a history of being a food catcher wherever I'm at. It doesn't matter where I'm at. There's going to be food in it. Right? If someone gives, if, it can be a comment that someone makes. And I overanalyze the comment in my head for days. What did they mean by this? And oftentimes, I've misinterpreted what they meant in their intentions, right? Um, It can be other student pastors who seem to be doing a lot better job at being a student pastor than I am. I've got a lot of peers in student ministry based on where I went to school, and these guys are doing great. 
So when I see it, I'm like, man, they're doing so great. And then automatically I become the worst student pastor in the world. Even as a dad, right? I see dads on their highlight reels with their kids, the things that they're doing, and it takes one story before I'm the worst dad in the world, and I'm talking down to myself like, they're doing so much better job at being a dad than I am, right? It doesn't take much. Here's the truth. There's always going to be more room for inadequacies and insecurities in our lives. And every single one of us has, we do not have a cap limit to the insecurities and inadequacies that could fill our lives. And the thing is, is that these are a virus. And maybe you handle inadequacies or insecurities like me. Maybe you're a people pleaser. So you aim to say and do the right thing. And that's kind of the way you cover up inadequacies and insecurities. Maybe for you, uh, you thrive for the compliments of others to help bolster your confidence a little bit, right? And so you post the best highlights of your family, your best accomplishments, which is something that I think we all do. Social media is meant to be a highlight reel. But we do that because we want to get a compliment from somebody. Maybe we all know one-uppers, right? I have plenty of one-uppers in my world. And sometimes I can be a one-upper, right? They they have a better story how they broke a bone. Or they have a Michael Herkamp. I look right at you, man. He's got a broken ankle. Love you, man. Uh, I've got a better story how I broke a bone. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Love you. He's a mentor in our student ministry. He does a phenomenal job. But we all know somebody who's a one-upper, right? They got a better story or middle schoolers have the keep tally how many people they've dated or whatever, right? You see this as a virus that takes over our lives. This is something that keeps us from entering into the purpose that God would have for us. Here's what I mean. Interviewing for a job. I'm not going to interview for that job because somebody else is going to get it. There's always somebody else that's more qualified, so why would I interview I don't, I'm not going to give up this addiction because I, I just don't know if I can beat it because tomorrow I'm just going to crack open another bottle. Or I don't want to go to the gym because all I'm going to do is get body shamed. Or I don't want to ask him or her out because they're going to say no because I'm ugly. Like, do you see how that keeps us from entering into what God may have for us? Or at least experiencing things that are staples that develop who we can become. And saying yes to Lloyd Powell was one of the best decisions that I had made because I was saying yes to God and God had a big plan for me. I could have talked myself out of that all day long. We can talk ourselves out of it, out of things that God would have for us. And we have been wrongfully looking in all the wrong places for confidence. It's almost like we're looking to things for that next self-confidence high, right? To at least get us through a couple more days or weeks or months or whatever. And we look for these quick fixes. However, I believe we have to figure out a way to stop trying to build confidence in ourselves. We have to figure out a way to give all of our confidence and filter that all into the heart of God and what that can do for us in our lives. Scripture tells us that our hearts and our flesh, they're deceitful. Check out what it says in Psalm 73, verse 26. It says, My flesh and my heart may grow weak, but God always protects my heart. And always gives me stability. Always protects my heart and always gives me stability. Self-confidence places our hope in something that's going to only lead us astray. You know the saying, follow your heart? It's baloney. We follow our heart, we'll often be led astray. Right? We can't trust our feelings. We can trust The only thing we can trust is the stability of God to permeate our hearts, to define who we are, define our identity as we continue to walk in purpose in him. 
Which leads us to our first truth. I want us to discover three truths today that combat these lies that we believe about ourselves. And the first truth is this. God is always for me. Check out Romans 8, 37. It says, no, this is Paul. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Through him who loved us. And we are currently walking through a series called Stay Positive, which seems to be a great series to walk through as we potentially see the light at the end of the tunnel with this year of COVID. And if you will reflect with me, last week Adam shared about the church in Rome and how their present sufferings, Paul was trying to help them understand, your present sufferings do not match up with the future glories that is to be experienced when you enter into God's presence. And Paul is speaking to the church in Rome here. It's in the same context, in the same vein. And when Paul says these things, He's talking about the things that go against God's heart and His will, His purpose for our lives. And that includes things like inadequacies and insecurities that are rooted in straight-up lies. But Paul gives us a truth that we can hold confident to, and that is, is that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. Why? And how do we know this? Because Jesus conquered the grave. Jesus went to the cross for you and for me, for me, My redneck side came out. My mate. But Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. And then He defeated death. He conquered the grave. The ultimate valley of darkness He conquered on our behalf. And the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that can live inside of us if we decide to follow Him. And that, my friends, is how we can defeat insecurities and inadequacies because when the power of Jesus permeates our hearts rather than us always following our hearts, then we begin to live in purpose. Anyone else have a loud parent that screamed in the stands when you played sports? Maybe you are the loud parent that screamed in the stands. uh, That screamed in the stands for your kids. But let me introduce you. Yes, sir, Jason. Uh Uh-oh, mom is the loud one. My dad is too. Let me introduce you to my dad. Um, he was the obnoxiously loud parent in the stands, and you knew it, and the whole county knew it, the whole every and everybody in the region knew it. Like, oh gosh, we're Point Claiborne County. There's a loud guy. Um, but when I'll never forget senior night of my uh, football, last football season in high school, we played a team out of Knoxville called the Seymour Eagles, and I played for the high school of Claiborne County, Tennessee, and we. Played these guys. And it, on my senior night, it was rainy. It was cold. It was windy. I mean, in, in light of that, there were no fans. The only fans that were there were the parents of the seniors just enduring the weather, like, you know, excited for the last year of sports, maybe. But my dad, I'll never forget, as a team captain of defense, my play was off. There's nobody. There's no energy. Nothing to feed off of. And we were getting crushed. Right, And so I was just playing horrible. And in light of that, as a team leader, so was the team. And I remember playing on defense, like second down or something like that, and I'm getting ready for the next play. And my dad, I hear this obnoxiously loud voice that had been screaming from the stands my whole entire childhood say, Get him, Bell! You got this! You were made for this! Lead your team! And when he did that, my ears perked like a puppy when you call their name. I remember looking up at him in the corner and he's standing there without an umbrella, without a poncho, and he's just standing there in the rain as this this monsoon, as rain is pelting him. And I see my dad standing at the top of the bleachers cheering me on in the midst of my insecurities, in the midst of my doubts and adequacies. 
He's cheered me on and he spurred me on into playing in a way that I was not playing before. And friends, here's the truth is that this morning, God is doing the exact same thing for you on the edge of heaven. He's sitting on the edge of heaven, and in the middle of your insecurities, in the middle of your inadequacies, He's saying, you've got this! You can do it! Why? Because through Me, you are more than conquerors. And He's rooting for you. And so instead of thinking about God on the edge of heaven waiting to smite us, God is on the edge of heaven trying to spur us on and to the purpose that He would have for us. And so in all these things, we are conquerors. And we get to live from the overflow of God's approval of our lives. We don't earn God's approval. The moment that you entered into this world as an infant, God's approval for you was already sky high. We get to live out of that approval. So maybe you're trying to claim victory in your marriage this morning. God is for you. Maybe you're trying to overcome an addiction. God is for you. Maybe you're trying to overcome self-doubt and you feel worthless. God is on the edge of heaven rooting for you. He is for you. God's just saying, do you believe me? Will you live out of that approval? Which helps us understand God's next truth, or the next truth, is that God is always with me. God is always with me. In Joshua 1.9 it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Can I ask you something? I'll be real with you a little bit. You don't have to answer this. I'm not looking for a response. But does anyone feel alone and unsure today? After this year of COVID and all the isolation? And working with teenagers. Going to the high schools and working with teenagers here in this building on Sunday nights. I think the mentors can speak too and say that teenagers have overwhelmingly communicated that this has been the loneliest year of their lives and they feel in their souls, in their inmost being, uncertain. My wife has even said this has felt like the loneliest year in her life. Speaking with friends, they've said this feels like the loneliest year of their life. Reality is it feels like God is absent. However, when I look back over the last year, I can see how God has been with us every step of the way. I can see elderly people and their needs being cared for, the sacrifices that people have made with COVID to try not to give it to those who are high risk. I've seen those um, family members who are willing to stand 10 stories down from a hospital room just to be in somewhat of the presence of the loved one that's that's up high in a hospital room. We've seen drive-through birthday parties for kids in our church. We've seen mentors in the student ministry delivering gifts to their teenage uh, kids that they love and pour into week in and week out. And when we look at these things, when we look at the way that the church works, we are looking right into the heart of how God is with His people when He works through His most prized creation, humanity. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And when I see humanity, our church working this way, I'm encouraged. But that doesn't mean that you may not be going through a tough time. For this last year, it's been particularly rough for my family, as it has been for a lot of us. But I'll never forget in March, my wife and I found out that we had our second miscarriage in the course of three months. Kayla, my wife, ended up having to have a baby surgically removed from her body 
And I had to sit there hopeless as a husband watching her cry. Like, what do I do? Like, I don't know what to do. There's no book on how to comfort your wife when there's, we feel like there's nothing in the world that you can do as a husband to make her feel better. And so to be honest with you, I got angry at God. And I went to God and I said, God, if I can't do anything, then why don't you? Because to be real with you, God, big God in heaven looking after us, it feels like you're not present. It feels like you're absent. And if I'm being real, I'm starting to believe that's the truth. And so we went through that difficult time, but at the same time, there's always been hope. When you look back, you may not see it. Things are cloudy. You're going through it. But when you look back, you can see almost in HD the moments where God is starting to work things out. Looking back, I can remember that our daughter Madison, she may never realize the impact, but how much she carried us through that time. Just running out of a room, giving us hugs, and knowing that we are blessed with a beautiful child. Um, but then we see His provision and His faithfulness when we see that in a month, hope, Lord willing, we are going to be welcoming a baby boy into our family. But for some of you in this room, you don't have that kind of story where you have that kind of hope. You may be walking through a miscarriage and you're looking at it and it's like, I don't even know if I'm ever going to be able to have a baby. And I'm not promising you that it'll turn out the way it has for my wife and I. But what I can promise you is what God promises us is that He will always be with us. And just because our lives are rocky, just because our lives are not ideal, especially all of us have been impacted over the last year, and it's not been ideal for any of us, doesn't mean that God has just left the picture. There's something that He's trying to do. When we look back, we may be able to see one day in HD some of the things that He has been do- is going to do. And so maybe God's trying to share something with you. And that his, what He's trying to share with you is that He's been with you every step of the way. But that doesn't mean that you're not going through a tough time. right? Is there an ever-increasing amount of debt for you? Is there a family member who doesn't know Jesus? Are you still looking for a job after the effects of COVID? Maybe you're walking through a miscarriage. Maybe you're mourning the loss of a loved one. But let me remind us, just because our lives are unsure, just because they're rocky, doesn't mean that God is just left out of the picture and exited out of our lives. He's still writing the story. He's still doing work. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Not only has God been with us every step of the way, but His grace has been sufficient and is sufficient in whatever we are going through. Which helps, which leads us to our next point, is that God is still working in us. God is still working in you. Can I let you in on a guilty pleasure of mine? I love haunted houses. Okay, the month of October, I look forward to the month of October, and I got a group of buddies, Zach Day, myself, and a buddy that we call Corky in Cincinnati. We all go to a haunted house every October. Okay, we love it. I, well, I love it, right? I just bring them along with me, I think. I'm just like the toddler going through Toys R Us. It's like, oh, but we, you get on these trails, and I love the aesthetics of it. I love like not knowing what's coming around the corner. It just feels like something that I, a challenge to me. But the one thing that I can't get over that happens every single hayride, haunted trail, haunted house, is the ever-loving chainsaw dude, right? He's at the end of every haunted house, trail, hayride, and I can't get over it. It scares me to death. I almost pee myself. And to be honest with you, there's words that come out of my mouth where God's like, eh, right? But then, but then I get in the car, and I'm starting to reflect. And I'm like, man, I lost my salvation like 20 times. 
Chris, why did you say that? Like, you're a pastor. Like, what if there were teenagers around there? Or would you say that? Like, what would you do if your students were around? What would you do if their parents were around? And then I start to, like, talk down to myself. Like, you're a believer and you're saying that stuff. And then I get into this whirlwind of, like, believing that I'm worthless and that I need to earn God's approval. Like, God, I just want you to approve of me. And God's just like, listen, like, you're still a work in progress. Does anybody else still get frustrated with things that you do that you've been trying to beat or overcome your, almost your entire life, right? I think we're all there. But what God is saying is that my grace is sufficient for you, so here's some truth. Give yourself some grace. Don't settle for mediocrity. Always look to do better. Always look to be an example for Jesus. Give yourself some grace because God isn't saying, how dare you? Right? And that's that whole concept where we grow up believing that he's on the edge of heaven ready to smite us when he's actually on the edge of heaven trying to spur us on into purpose. So you are still a work in progress. Still struggling with the doubting faith? God's still working. Bad habit? Still working. Struggling to get into the Word of God daily? That's me. And I'm a pastor and I talk down to myself. God's still working. He's not done with you. Allow Him to work in you. Because when we allow God to work in us, then we start to see God's view of ourselves. And no longer is our confidence in ourselves, but we start to place our confidence in the heart of God who intentionally created us. So if you would, bow your heads with me. I just want to take some time for us to reflect a little bit. For a lot of us today, these truths are not our reality. Our reality is that we often tell ourselves, I'm not good enough. God doesn't want anything to do with me. I'm always going to be worthless. What's my purpose? It seems like there isn't none. And so what happens is we end up believing these things. So we just wander around this chaotic world believing that we're never going to have purpose. And so what's the point of living? But God is saying, listen, like I have a purpose for you. And he's on the edge of heaven spurring us on into confidence but here's the truth. Our confidence in ourself is flawed. But on the flip side of that, our confidence in God is low. But today we need to figure out how do we build that confidence in God. And the reality is that some of you, some of you this morning hate you right now. You feel worthless. You feel depressed. You wonder if you're ever going to have purpose. You don't believe anyone loves you. You feel lonely. You feel like a mistake. You feel inadequate. You feel insecure. And guys, if we continue to wander in that, we're never going to be able to be used in the way that God wants to use us every single day. And however, God has that purpose. And our purpose comes from an identity that's rooted in God and what He says about us. And so many of us may intellectually know this truth, but in our hearts we've yet to experience that truth. And so we're still following this flawed heart that is yet to be permeated by the perfect love of Jesus. And so when we do that, we get to live out of God's approval for us rather than striving for His approval. And to live out of God's approval, some of you, the next step that you need to take is to surrender your life to Jesus this morning. And Jesus is spurring you on from the edge of heaven with His arms wide open, waiting for you to just fall into His arms and give up the responsibility of trying to do it all yourself. And it's as simple, we overcomplicate it, but it's as simple as just saying, Jesus, I love you. And I don't fully understand what you did for me right now and in this moment. But what I do know is that I need you. 
Jesus isn't asking you to fully understand Him this morning. He's just asking you to trust Him. And for those of us who have believed Jesus and Jesus and have followed Him and have experienced His love before, it doesn't mean we stop having insecurities or inadequacies, but that we know the answer to them. And because of that, we need to be challenged. And maybe today for us as believers, those of us who believe in the Most High God, we need to resurrender our lives because our lives do not look like a heart that's permeated by the perfect love of Jesus. And so we need to step into that and resurrender. And the way that we've lived may have been off, or may have been off. So take confidence in God and these truths this morning. Take confidence in the fact that He is for you, He is with you, and He is not done with you yet. Until you take your last breath, God is working in an imperfect vessel. And that's what He signed up for. He's not surprised by it. Let's pray. God, we love You. We thank You for today. And we thank You for pursuing us and approving of us. We don't have to earn that approval. You just approve. You created us. You know our weaknesses. You know our insecurities. And through all the obstacles, You are rooting us on. You're spurring us on into purpose. And God, that purpose, whatever that looks like for each individual in this room, I pray that we would find that. God, the power of Your work the power of the church on a move to reach their community with your help can be an amazing thing. So God, I pray that each one of us would just leave here a little bit more in tune with what you would have for us than when we walked in and that every day we wouldn't settle for mediocrity, but that we would give ourselves a little bit of grace because your grace is sufficient and because of that, we will continue to improve and walk in purpose. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.